This is a podcast of the Church of Indian Lake. There's always one moment in childhood when the door opens and lets the future in. This is a quote that if you've ever worked with kids, you're going to understand what this means. I read this and, and it really struck me because if you've ever taught a kid math and they didn't understand long division and all of a sudden the light comes on, there's something in their eyes that say, for the rest of my life, I'm going to know how to do long division. And these things happen uh, in the education process, but in the bigger picture of life, it happens a lot. Someone does well at a sport and, and they do something in that game and it gives them confidence to move forward. Someone paints or draws a picture. Someone sings a song and others enjoy it. And all of a sudden, a window into the future opens. And that's exactly what happened to David. And today we're going to talk about the character David in the Bible. We're in a series called Legends. And I want us to look together at some different people the Holy Spirit has revealed through the Scripture. And I want you to learn about your life by looking at their lives. Because there's something we can all learn. And there's something within you that says, I was born to do this. There's certain activities that we attach our destiny to, and all of a sudden we say, this is me. This feels right. This feels good. And in addition to it feeling good intrinsically, other people are being blessed by my gift. And when we help children discover that, we nurture their soul, we, we help them understand their future, and as adults, that process doesn't end. Now, before you begin to think, okay, this is one of those messages uh, that is going to talk about the greatness of Michelangelo and Abraham Lincoln and Winston Churchill and these few characters that changed the world and the rest of us, we're just living out this story. Uh, we're, we're just kind of minions living out this story. Uh, and the real story of civilization is the decisions of a few great men or women. That's definitely not what I'm saying this morning. Because I want you to realize something. Greatness is in every one of you because greatness comes from God. And greatness is not about the masterpieces and it's not about the, the things that are in the history book, even though that's part of the story. Greatness is in a Tuesday evening meal that you cook for your family. That you put love into that meal and you put heart into that meal. Greatness is the backyard garden that you cultivate and that in that there's life in your backyard. Greatness do you want to know what greatness is? Go sometime to one of our nursery classrooms where there's a dozen or so three-year-olds, either on a Sunday or a Tuesday and Thursday, and watch how a gifted person, a gifted lady, entertains three-year-olds for an hour and a half. That is a work of art. That is greatness in its essence. Greatness is the lines that were in the carpet of the stage when I got here early this morning because someone vacuumed the stage. 
Greatness is the sum of all of our efforts. And before we believe the myth that greatness is only for the few and only for the famous and only for the powerful, that is not true. You are gifted and everything you do contributes to the greater good. Everything you do, when you use your talents, when you use your gift, when you use your effort, and when you give yourself to the task at hand, then we as a people, as a community, as a culture, we're greater because of you. And so that's the story of David. So before we begin to to talk about David's ascent, he ascends to the kingdom. I want to start to where he really was. And the first observation I want to make is this. Well, well, let me set this up by saying this. David was anointed three separate times in his life. Three separate times, the anointing oil came upon David and it marked three new phases in his life. And you're going to see in your life, there's a process. There's a process in your life that God marks you at certain times and starts new seasons in your life. Now, what was the anointing? Well, the anointing uh, was symbolized by oil, and we still anoint people with oil to this day. Uh, At the end of the service, if you're sick, and one of our prayer partners will be here to anoint you with oil for you to be healed. But there's nothing powerful about the oil. In fact, one of the elementary kids, she was looking at that the other day, and I had her smell it, and I explained Uh, Her mother was standing right there. I explained to her what the anointing oil was. And I said, this is not powerful. It's the Holy Spirit that's powerful. But the oil upon you represents being marked by the Holy Spirit. And David was marked by the Holy Spirit three separate times in his life. And I want us to look at the first time. And you go with me to 1 Samuel chapter 16. 1 Samuel chapter 16. And David had a lot of brothers, and he was the youngest. And this was a time of leadership crisis among the Jewish people because they were uh, being dominated by the Philistines, and the Philistine people were ruling over them, and they had a great, uh, you know, they they had an oppressive regime, oppressive army. There were nomadic people who had come into God's land and conquered his people. And for the first time ever, God had anointed or God had placed a king. It wasn't his perfect will, but he had placed a king named Saul over his people. But Saul sinned and Saul forfeited the kingdom. He forfeited the anointing on his life. So Samuel was grieved about this. And Samuel began to look for a new king. And now we go to 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 12. So he sent and had him brought in. This is talking about David. And he, being David, was Rudy with a fine appearance and handsome features. Again, it's one of the few times the Bible talks about someone's physical appearance. We, we uh, talked about this with Rebecca also when we discussed Abraham. And then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. He is the one. Now, if you remember the story, some of you will have to read it later or some of you can be reminded. Uh, David appeared in the natural to be the least qualified. He appeared in the natural to be uh, the least likely. 
In fact, he was so unlikely that he was overlooked. And while Jesse lined up all of the brothers, David was by himself tending the sheep. But the spirit of the Lord said through the prophet, rise and anoint him. He is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. I want you to note that this was not just some kind of symbolic gesture. Uh, Yes, there was symbolism in the oil and there was symbolism in the laying on of hands. But from that day forward, David was different. It was a fresh anointing in his life. So now there's a fresh anointing. His brothers notice it. The spirit of God is on him. You would think everything changes from here, right? No, because you know where he went? Straight back to the shepherd field. Straight back to tending sheep. Everything changed in his life, but nothing changed at all. The Spirit of God marked him and changed him from that day forward, yet many of the circumstances were the exact same way. I want you to write this down the back of your bulletin, because this is going to help us organize David's three anointings. And the first phase for David, and it's the first phase for many of us, given but hidden. The anointing is given, but it's hidden. The talent is revealed, but it's hidden. The vision is given, but no one else knows what's happening. David's anointed to be the king. God has put his spirit upon him in a new way. And despite a handful of people, his own family, who were probably envious and jealous, no one else knew. Because God had to hide him. God had to put him in the shadows. See, there comes a time for the spotlight. And there comes a time when we're in the spotlight, we're in the limelight. But you can never be in the spotlight if you don't grow character in the shadows. And so David was by himself, hidden. The gift was given. The anointing was given. But no one else knew about it. And that can be a very painful place. It can be a place that stops a lot of us. And some of us today, the reason the Spirit is making this known today through the Scripture is because some of us are, we're stuck at that first place. We feel gifted. Uh, we, We see the vision. We know that God has a purpose for our life. But we just we just don't realize or we don't understand why things are not happening faster why we are not getting noticed. We don't understand why if God promised and if God said that, that it was going to be this way, why am I still in the same circumstance? I mean, why am I in the same drudgery? There's something within you you feel. It's so real within you that you can't even verbalize. And maybe a few people will recognize it, but most people won't. It's just you and God. It's just you and God and a bunch of sheep just like David. Can you imagine what David must have thought of when he, when he was there doing the menial task of taking care of his father's sheep, knowing that he had been anointing, feeling the presence of God, and so God sent a bear, and God sent a lion. And David, I, I'm imagining that he was by himself when he killed the lion, and he killed the bear. He was in hiddenness, and There was something about God's anointing on his life then when he was hidden that God had to develop that. Now, 
Now remember the opening of my sermon before you check out and say, well, this is just for those who are going to be kings or those who are going to be pastors. No, I'm talking about you now. Because no task is too small. No vision is too small. Even a dream you have to cultivate something in your home or or to, to create an experience for your family. Those dreams are real. And if you're led by the Spirit or from God, and they're to be nurtured, and they're to be helped. And those, those things are, are, are to be special unto the Lord. And so it is. So it is that if God has given you an idea, or he's revealed a gift to you, or you know about a talent you have, or you feel something intrinsically, like there's a, there's a desire that's strong within you, and no one else is noticing yet, hold on to that. Hold on to that. Because at the right time, God will make it, make it known. How do you know what that is? That's the question is, how do you know what God's will is? How do you know what God's gift is? It's what you're good at. It's what your natural bent is. It's what your inclination is. It's what your fruitfulness is. I preached my first sermon at, at 13 and it was rough. But afterwards, people said... people gave me enough comments that I thought, you know, I could do this again. It was was a window into my future. I gave seven points in four minutes. And so uh, that that part of it was not technically great. In fact, one guy came up, my church was called Calvary Temple and one jerk came up to me and said, hey, this wasn't a Calvary Temple speed reading contest. And so uh, I was like, yeah, whatever, man. Uh, but, uh, But there were some encouraging people, especially some of our youth sponsors who nurtured that gift, who said, and it was a window into my soul. And some of you, listen, don't give up on that. That's within you. The wonderful movie, Chariots of Fire, Eric Liddell, uh, had this, this great, great um, speed and he conquered world records. And at the same time, he had, a, he had a vibrant, deep relationship with the Lord. And there's so many wonderful quotes from that movie, but I want to share this one with you. Liddell said, I believe God made me for a purpose, but he also made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. Track and field athlete, when I run... I feel his pleasure. When you teach and when you sew, as in, you know, sewing, remember that? Or knit, is that what they call it now? When, when, you, when you help a single mom fix her car and save her $250, God finds pleasure in that. God takes your gifts and there's a reason why when you were a child you were inclined to mechanical things and you wanted to see how things were put together and how things came apart. That is a great, great call God has on your life and he's going to use that. He is using that for his pleasure and he takes great pleasure in that and he's anointed you by the Holy Spirit to do those things. Some of you can sell stuff and, and you, can, you can make a sell and you think that that's just providing uh, income for your family, but you're not. You're part of building a company. You're part of creating uh, a legacy that's being passed down. You're not just feeding your family. You're feeding multiple families. You're causing the economic engine of our country to move. You're causing things to happen. 
There's a gifting within you. And some of that's hidden to you. It's hidden to you. But God, God's gonna, God has anointed you and, and there's more than one anointing. Because we develop in life, there's that first anointing, but the second anointing is, let's go to 2 Samuel chapter 2. The whole book of 1 Samuel was about David running from Saul. He got his first anointing, and the whole time that he got his first anointing, he was on the run. But now we go to where the second anointing comes, 2 Samuel chapter 2, verse 4. It says, Then the men of Judah, I want you to notice that, Judah, because there were 12 tribes that made up the Jewish people. Judah is just one of the 12. It just so happens that Judah was David's tribe. So it was his people. It was his lineage. And it says, the men of Judah came to Hebron, and there they anointed David king over the house of Judah. And when David was told that it was the men of Jabesh-Gilead who had buried Saul. Here's the second thing I want you to write down. Here's the second anointing that was in David's life. It's found in 2 Timothy chapter 2, but it's when you're recognized but resisted. All of a sudden now, David, his anointing went from just being this kind of family-centered anointing that only Jesse and his brothers recognized to now the whole tribe of Judah recognized him. You know, his home tribe, his own lineages, his own people, this same principle was true for Timothy. Before Timothy went to Paul, the church of Ephesus recognized Timothy is anointed here in this church, among this congregation, among this people. Because it starts at the home. It starts among your people. It starts in your hometown. It starts among your, your tribe and your people. And so there's a partial recognition here. Not all 12 tribes, but one of the 12. Not every tribe, but some of the tribes. There's a partial recognition here. And after that, after that came some of the, some of the most difficult trials in David's life. Because Saul, who was the king before David, had a cousin named Abner. And Abner decided that when David was anointed king of Judah, that he would not stand for it. And he caused all types of upheaval in David's life. He resisted God's will. He's resisted God's call. So part of the people began to recognize David, but not all the people recognized him. Some people resisted him. Some people attacked him. And you know, that's how it happens with your talent and gift. You will receive some level of rejection in life. John Grisham, you remember in the 90s, uh, his novels made him lots and lots of money, but he failed English composition in college because someone didn't think he could write. Well, millions and millions of people think that he can. Okay, Not everyone's going to like your stuff. Not everyone's going to see your potential. You're not going to click with everybody. And you need to understand this is that as your gifting develops, just like David moved from phase one to phase two, that uh, in that process, not everyone's going to recognize what God has recognized in the beginning for you. Not everyone's going to realize it. Now, 
Uh, you know, I, I can see, this is, this is really easy for me, uh, and I can only give illustrations about my life because I know myself better than all of you. So um, I could pick on some of you, but you know how that goes. No one likes a preacher who does that. So this is what happens to me often is that, uh, you know, I'll go stand at the back door and I'll just, I, you know, I shake hands with people and, uh, and I'll have some people come up to me and say, oh, Aaron, your teaching is incredible. There is so much depth to it. I love the way you're centered in the word. Oh man, and I really like those kind of people. They're, they're awesome. <laughs> and then I get some other people, and they're usually people who have been in church a long time, that they'll, they'll be like, Aaron, you're getting there. <laughs> Keep it up. We can just feel in our You're getting there. Uh, and so here it is, the same sermon and two different reactions. And that's just human nature. And that's not to criticize those who don't connect with my ministry. It's to say this, is that some things are very subjective. And so what you have to give to the world, not everyone's going to like. Not everyone's going to like the way you cook a meal. Not everyone's going to like the way you approach a problem. Not everyone's going to like your leadership style. But our God takes delight in you and he's developing you and he's developing your gifting and he's developing who you are. It'd be a lot easier if everyone would just accept God's will. You know, if Abner had not led that revolt, he would have, if he would have just submitted to what God had in mind, it would have prevented a whole lot of bloodshed. Three murders happened that were very close to David. In the time of life, when he was partially recognized, but he was resisted. Here's the last scripture I want us to look at today, 2 Samuel chapter 5. Here's the third time David was anointed. The third time that David was anointed by the Lord. It says this in 2 Samuel chapter 5 verse 3, when all the elders of Israel... This is all 12 now, not just, not just his brothers and Jesse, not just the tribe of Judah. But when all the elders of Israel had come to King David at Hebron, the king made a compact with them at Hebron before the Lord, and they anointed David king over Israel. There it was, all 12 tribes anointed as king of Israel. Here's the third thing I want you to write down. Tested but crowned. Tested but crowned. Now I'm going to say this because uh, obviously as we're looking at these Bible characters, we're having to look at really broad strokes here. Uh, we could, there's certain, all of these Bible characters, we could really hone in on particular details. One note I'll let you know is once David was crowned, he still had lots of challenges ahead and he made some mistakes and and he had to deal with his sin with Bathsheba. And he had to deal with the rebellion of Absalom. But for the purposes of this sermon and this development, I want, you to say, I want us to see this. Is that he was tested. He was tested when he ran from Saul. He, he was tested when he faced the giant Goliath. He was tested in the shepherd field. He was tested by Abner. He was tested when he had an opportunity to murder the king when he was in the cave of Abdullam. Tested and tested and tested. And even though God had anointed him when he was a young man, 
It took a time of testing before he was crowned. He was coronated. And now he reached the place. He reached the place where he was exactly where God wanted him to be. Some of you might already be in that place. And just because you're at that place, let me warn you from David's life, doesn't mean you've arrived. Doesn't mean you've got the finish line. It just means that God has taken you to a place of coronation, like a king is coronated. God has established you. God has crowned you. But there's still challenges for you. Some of you today, you're back in the first phase. You're hidden. And God wants to talk to you today. You feel like you've been hidden a long time. You feel like no one's recognizing your giftings. No one's really recognizing who you are. Can I just tell you today that what God said matters. What God has marked you. When God has marked you, when he has gifted you, when he has made you good at something. You're like Eric Liddell. I'm fast. And so when I run, I feel it's pleasure. Some of you are good at construction. The Lord wants you to build. Some of you are handymen. The Lord wants you to repair. Some of you, the, the kindness and tenderness of your personality, the Lord wants you to show compassion. And you, you might think, well, if I was more powerful and more outspoken, I'd go further in life. God didn't make you that way. He didn't want you to be that way. He's made you kind and gentle. And you are walking in his power when you lean into that strength. Even if others don't recognize your gifting, God does it. Even if the others don't agree with your dream, God gave you the dream. Even if others, others aren't helping you, God is your help. So go back to that first anointing in your life. Some of you, when you were hidden, you gave up. And God says, it's not too late. It's not too late. See, this message is not for the elite. It's not for the accomplished. It's for every single one of us that God says, listen, that, that anointing that I gave you in your own household, that yes, even though it's felt hidden, and maybe in the hidden times you gave up or you didn't pursue it the way you should, but the Lord's reminding you today. He's reminding you today of that first anointing, that first gifting, that bent you had as a child that thing that causes your heart to come alive. Some of you might be in the second phase, David's second anointing, where you're recognized by some, but not recognized by all. You're recognized, but resisted. Sometimes you feel like, hey, this is going good for me. And other times you say, why don't, why can't I get more people on my team? Why can't I get more people to see the vision? Why can't I make more progress? And you go back and you forth. Sometimes you're feeling good, sometimes you're not. That's part of the process. That's why you got to hold on to the dream. You got to hold on to God, what God said. You got to rest in his anointing. And sometimes one out of 12 is enough to keep you going. I mean, it's not eight out of 12 and it's not six out of 12. It's not two out of 12. It's one out of 12, but it's your people. It's your team. It's a people who believe in you. It's a people who see the best in you. It's your Judah. And these people, they see it in you. And, and hold on to those people. Cherish them. Because God is using that. He, he, he's, he's shown you a glimpse of the future. He's shown you a little bit because there's more behind that. 
And then some of you, I said, you're at that place. Maybe your career is winding down or you're at the peak of your career. And the Lord wants you to remain humble. Remain humble in that. Remain thankful. Remain hopeful. Keep the right people around you. Let's pray. Let's reflect upon this for a second. David's not unlike you. David is a... He, was, he had all the humanity you have. You hear me today. He was not supernatural. He was a natural man. It's the spirit upon him. Upon him. The spirit upon him. And so it is with you. It's the spirit upon you. It's a gifting that's upon you. Ask the Lord where you're at right now. Don't give up in the shepherd field. Don't give up because you only have one of 12. That which is in your heart, the Lord, the Lord has placed it there. The Lord is nurturing it. The Lord will cause it to come to pass. I'm going to ask our ushers to go ahead and position themselves because we're going to have an opportunity to partake of the bread and partake of the cup this morning. And in that, we find life. You see, life is found not through talent development and not through who you know and not through networking. Life is found through the cross. The price that Jesus paid, the punishment Jesus took upon himself, that he's freed us from sin. And he came that we might not have death so the thief won't steal and kill and destroy. But he came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. And life starts at the cross. It starts when you begin to identify yourself with his death and his resurrection. And you say, I have died with Christ and it's no longer me that lives, but it's Christ who lives within me. I'm God's vessel. I'm being used by God. I'm used by Jesus. He's the one that's working through me. And that's when we go to the communion table, it reminds us again, it's not our lives is his life through us you see the giftings he gives us are just that they're gifts and the best gifts are twice given god gives us a talent we give it back to him god gives us a vision we give it back to him thank you for listening to the podcast of the church of indian lake